the latest podcast by the Herbert Smith Freehills London Real Estate Team. My name is Fiona Sawyer and I'm a professional support lawyer in our planning team. I'm with Catherine Owey and of Council in our real estate team. Today we're going to chat about something that crosses boundaries between planning law and general real estate law, namely oversailing. Catherine, this is an area you come across frequently. Can you tell us why developers need to know about it? Hi Fiona. As you say, we come across this area of law frequently, whether when lining up all the necessary consents for building a property, or in due diligence exercises when selling or financing, or down the line when our client is looking to make alterations to a property. It's useful to be alive to the different aspects of oversailing to ensure that relevant permissions and consents are obtained up front, or where necessary, steps are taken to mitigate against potential problems which could arise from not having them. Today, we're going to chat about what is oversailing and why it matters, what property permissions might be needed to oversail and from whom, what statutory consents are required for oversailing highways, what other variations there are on oversailing, such as undersailing, and what can be done where it's not possible to get the relevant permissions or consents. This is all in the context of understanding the implications for developers and property owners of not getting the right permissions and consents when needed. Thank you very much, Catherine. So the first question is, what is oversailing? Put simply, oversailing takes place whenever any object attached to or deriving from your land is within the airspace of a neighbouring owner, be it on a temporary or permanent basis. If that intrusion is not authorised, then it will be a trespass. In the development arena, the need for crane oversell and scaffolding licences during the development phase of projects is well understood. They are fairly commonplace documents and help to facilitate the expeditious and economical development of land. For example, in relation to a tight development site, a crane oversell licence permits, for a defined period of time, and potentially for a fee, the jib of a crane to swing over a neighbouring land. But what about after the development has completed? What if the newly constructed property has balconies, canopies or other projecting features such as cornices and flagpoles that overhang neighbouring land? What if there is plant or other apparatus such as a cleaning cradle that extends out into land not within the boundaries of the property? However minor the incursion, it is still vital to ensure that the necessary property rights are in place to avoid not only potential issues arising with the neighbouring owner, but also to prevent problems arising on future sales or lettings where the absence of property rights may be flagged during the due diligence process. Thank you, Catherine. So obviously, if you know who the neighbouring owner is, you can negotiate commercial terms with them. But what if you can't work out who the neighbouring owner is? Well, that's often a situation encountered when oversailing takes place over a highway, remembering, of course, that the pavement forms part of the highway in this context. The issue with highways is that a large number of them remain unregistered. And if the highway authority doesn't think that it owns the highway, it may simply not be possible to work out who the neighbouring owner is. If the highway authority does own the highway, then it has the freedom to deal with the airspace as it sees fit. In this scenario, where it's not possible to work out who owns the highway, including the pavement, the often quoted maxim, ad medium film, might help. This is a legal presumption that the owners of land on either side of a highway own their side of the highway up to the middle line. Note, however, 
that if the highway in question is classified as a public highway, i.e. one maintained at public expense, the ad medium film rule is subject to the highway surface and the vehicular and pedestrian airspace, but not the airspace above that, being vested in the highway authority. Indemnity insurance may be the answer in some situations, although it may be more difficult to place if the development has been undertaken recently. The insurers will also likely insist that no contact is made with any third party that is believed to have property rights in the airspace. You also need to bear in mind that where your property has elements that oversail a public highway, sorting out the property rights is only one part of the story. We also need to consider the requirements imposed by the Highways Act 1980. So in summary, it's necessary to obtain express consent to oversail someone else's land, but it may be possible to get insurance if it's not possible to work out who the owners are, particularly if time has passed since the works that needed consent were undertaken. But you were saying that there are extra statutory consents that are needed where the land that is being oversailed is public highway. Yes, and as I've just mentioned, we need to remember that the pavement forms part of the public highway in this context. The relevant piece of legislation is the Highways Act from 1980, which says that you need to obtain a statutory licence from the relevant highway authority. Whilst the highway authority is not allowed to charge you a premium, although it may charge you a reasonable annual administration fee and also recover its costs, it otherwise has freedom to grant such licences on its own terms. In practice, licences follow a fairly standard form and are not subject to negotiation. The sorts of conditions you find in them concern such matters as the ongoing maintenance and user of the oversailing element and a requirement to maintain public liability insurance. Such licences are typically known as Section 177 licences, taking their name from the relevant section of the Act, although other licences are available depending on the nature of the oversailing. So you can have a Section 176 licence, which is used for situations where a bridge is being constructed over the highway. Also a Section 178 licence, which is used where consent is needed in relation to overhead beams, rails, pipes or similar apparatus. But what if these licences aren't obtained? Well, failure to obtain a licence when one is required or breaching the terms of a licence is a criminal offence although it is possible that, depending on when the offence was committed, the Highway Authority may find itself time-barred if it doesn't take prompt action to prosecute. However, a Highway Authority is also able to serve notice on a landowner, requiring an offending building to be demolished or altered. That right does not seem to be subject to any time limit. Seeking a retrospective licence might be an option in such a situation, although doing so might prejudice your chances of putting indemnity insurance in place. Okay, thank you, Catherine. So will I just need to get overselling licences for construction works? No, the Highways Act 1980 doesn't only deal with the construction of any part of a building over a public highway. It also concerns itself with the carrying out of alterations to such buildings. Any alterations must either be separately licensed or carried out in compliance with the terms of a previously granted licence. Again, failure to do so results in a criminal offence being committed and the right for the Highway Authority to require demolition or alteration. It is arguable from the wording of the legislation that any alteration to a building that oversells a public highway, even if the alterations have nothing to do with the oversailing element, requires either 
a separate license or compliance with the terms of a previously granted license. That said, the purpose of the legislation is to ensure that users of the public highway are not endangered as a result of a building oversailing that public highway or by alterations carried out to such a building, not to prevent landowners from refurbishing their properties. In circumstances where the proposed alterations do not relate to the oversailing part of a building, a more reasonable view would be that in the absence of any identifiable risks to users of the public highway, the legislation is not engaged. Thank you very much, Catherine. So just one more question from me. What about where part of my building extends out under a highway rather than over it? Do I need permission for that? You mean such as a vault or a cellar? Well, yes, consent is also needed for underground projections beyond property boundaries. It is vital to ensure that the same consideration is given to the property rights position as you would if you were dealing with an overhanging projection. You must ensure that you have the appropriate property rights in place to prevent that undersailing element from being a trespass. Structures and features that undersail a street are likewise subject to similar statutory constraints as applied to structures and features that oversail a public highway. Again, the relevant legislation is the Highways Act 1980. Although note that in relation to understating, the legislation refers to streets rather than highways. Unfortunately, there isn't a simple comparison of highway versus street that you can refer to. Making the distinction requires a detailed consideration of the legislation and case law. But in summary, a statutory license from the appropriate authority will be required. Either a section 179 license, if you have a vault or cellar that undersails any part of the street, a section 180 subsection 1 license if you want to make an opening in the footway of a street as an entrance to a vault or cellar. And then finally, a section 180 subsection 2 license for pavement lights and smoke vents in a street. Catherine, thank you for this. It's been a really useful guide as to what to watch out for. Basically, it's really important to look at a building as a whole and work out what elements, including cleaning cradles and cellars, could extend beyond the property boundary so that the necessary permissions and licences can be obtained. Indeed, or insurance if it's too late to get those permissions and licences in place. It's why site visits are so important to take a good look at what might be oversailing or undersailing neighbouring land, or of course, any adjoining highway or street. Thank you very much, Catherine. We've reached the end of this episode. If you have any questions on what we've been discussing, please get in touch using the contact details on the podcast homepage. Also, please note that whilst this podcast is intended to provide a general legal overview of the principles relating to oversailing, the law can change quickly and a general overview can't take account of the many different factors that can affect each individual case. So please seek independent legal or professional advice on your own situation. Thank you very much for listening.